think so many managers miss that opportunity to connect what they just went through. Now demonstrate it to me. Sure, you went through the outreach training. You went through the Salesforce training. You went through insert tech stack training. Now demonstrate it to me. Show me how to connect your outreach to your Salesforce to your weekly pipeline generation. Show that to me. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. If you believe that the sources of information on enablement best practices are a reflection of the industry's practicing enablement, you would be excused for thinking that it's a discipline exclusive to SaaS. What is often neglected, however, is that enablement, even though it might be a relatively new profession, is not exactly reinventing the wheel and we can build on existing best practices from other industries. Our guest in today's episode started his career at the US Coast Guard and will share how this experience has shaped his enablement approach. Please welcome Privitas Director of Sales Enablement, Bill Perry. Bill, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement. How are you today? Super great and getting a whole lot better. No complaints here. Where are you based? I am in the Dallas, Texas area, North Texas. Yeehaw. Excellent. I like that because I'm a big Dallas Maverick supporter, as I told you earlier. Yeah. Go Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> Not many people know that about me, but wow. NBA and especially Dallas Mavericks randomly, a big part of my heart. Yeah. Good team. So, Bill, just to give people a background of your experience and where you're coming from and what your current role is, please talk us through your background and what you do now. Right now, I am a director of sales enablement for a data privacy company, a global company, and I'm helping them build a, a sales enablement program basically from the ground up. It's a startup company, so it's a lot of roll your sleeves up and get in there. And this is the third time I've done this with a, an organization like this. It's a lot of fun. It's interesting. But I start to see the same things over and over again. It's absolutely fascinating to watch. Now, how did I get here? I'm a guy from northern New Hampshire. And his, his way of out was, let's join the Coast Guard. Let's get the heck out of here. And next thing you know, through a uh, series of fortunate events, I find myself at the Coast Guard Academy. I graduate. I'm off into the world of the U.S. Coast Guard. But I gravitate towards the world of training and training development. And my last three and a half, four years with the Coast Guard, I was working at a training center in Petaluma, California. And it was there that I really started to study the building blocks of training and development and process improvement and instructional design and all those key elements that you need, gap analysis, front-end analysis, facilitation skills, training skills, platform skills, project management skills, all those things that you need that I needed today. And I didn't realize my skill set was getting developed for something that I needed 15 years later down the road. So my journey after the Coast Guard, I found my way into sales, as most salespeople do. We, we gravitate towards our tribe. And my eyes started to open after I landed my first sales job. I go to sales training, right? 
you know, that first new hire orientation, two weeks of go get them. And I come back and my sales manager says to me, and this is the God honest truth, Bill, don't worry about what they told you. I'm going to show you the right way to do it. So that's a red flag for me because where I just came from, you can't have 200 people arriving on the same ship doing the same thing 200 different ways because people get hurt. And then he says to me, what I want you to do is I want you to hang out with Bob for the next week. Bob Lazzarini, that really was his name. Now, not only did he just poo-poo what I just learned, but he just passed responsibility to Bob. Now, Bob was a subject matter expert. He was the right person to send me to. But of course, Bob's response is, uh, me? What? Okay. But years later, now I know what happened. A top performing sales person was promoted to a manager who had no idea how to coach, how to teach, how to manage, was caught off guard, forgot that I was arriving that day, sent me to Bob to babysit while he tried to figure out what the heck do I do next? And that's a, probably a pretty popular experience. And you've probably seen it and I've seen it repeatedly throughout my entire career. But for me, from where I came from, it set me on a path to really help sellers, specifically managers, sales organizations, really connect on what training should be and real-world performance. It's not that difficult in theory. It's a very simple process, but it's not easy. Simple and easy are two different things. And as most salespeople know and most sales organizations know, anytime you're dealing with more than two people, there's going to be a conflict of interest. Somebody wants to do medic. Somebody wants to do spin. This sales manager came from here. This sales, everybody's got their ideas and opinions on how they want to run it and how they want to do it, which is fine, but you need to have synergy and you all have to have a consistent message as you move through the process. Absolutely. And especially it's not a reliable way to build a business, right? You were talking about building enablement functions from the ground up for startups. If you think about a fast growth startup journey, that's the worst way to grow if it's a free for all and everybody follows their own approach, like the manager you described yeah, and so many other organizations. It seems to me that sort of scenario that you described of the top performing sales rep being promoted in a managerial position and everybody kind of following their approach, that seems to be the intuitive way to handle things. But as you said, that's exactly where enablement adds value. But I want to come back to what you said about your Coast Guard learning experience and how that compared to you moving into the world of sales. Just on a high level, before we go into the nitty gritty, what made your Coast Guard learning experience a good one, apart from it just being consistent and standardized? So a couple elements. First and foremost, I was strongly indoctrinated into leadership and followership management skills. So I really understand those, coaching, leadership, management. That was very helpful for me. But I also got the basics of instructional design process improvement and building qualification programs, knowing that being able to identify key competencies and how to connect learning objectives to key competencies, but also more importantly, the confirmation of knowledge that comes afterwards that requires the seller 
to clearly demonstrate or explain to their subject matter expert their ability to do that skill. So often in the sales enablement world or in the sales world, we send a seller through a program, we send them to a course, we take them to learn, and then our confirmation of learning is, did you do it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I went through it last night. Yeah, it was good. I even took the quiz at the end. Great. Now we know you know how to take a quiz. Awesome. And so many managers miss that opportunity to connect what they just went through. Now demonstrate it to me. Sure, you went through the outreach training. You went through the Salesforce training. You went through insert tech stack training. Now demonstrate it to me. Show me how to connect your outreach to your Salesforce to your weekly pipeline generation. Show that to me. That's all we need to do. When I came on board my first ship, that's what I had to do. I went down into the, the engine room and I had to draw out fuel lines and oil lines and sewage lines. And I had to stand watch and take oil viscosity tests. And I had to demonstrate to that person on watch or whoever the subject matter expert was, this is my knowledge. I'm showing it to you. And the subject matter expert had the right to say, no, you missed it. Go back and do it again. Usually they would send you to go back and trace the sewage line because you know that's the fun thing to do with the new guy, right? But when you make the jump to sales world, so many managers lack the chutzpah, the skill, the ability, the courage to say no, salesperson. No, you don't know how to do it. Go back and learn it and show it to me again. Go back and do it again until you know it. And that disconnect causes more problems later on when the sales manager is trying to make up for it in their QBRs. But let me go back to my, my Coast Guard, a couple more things there. When I was getting qualified on board the ship, I had to go through my qualifications. I had to clearly demonstrate my knowledge, not just at the engine room, but the entire ship. Everybody on that ship I interacted with, that was my ecosystem. And I did it for a couple of reasons. First, the commanding officer needed to know that I knew how to drive the ship. He wanted me to demonstrate to him. Secondly, my interactions with the entire crew, my support ecosystem was incredibly valuable to create a team synergy because they needed to know that Ensign Perry knew how to drive the ship at two o'clock in the morning in Alaska in really crappy weather so that they could sleep and feel safe. And that synergy and that process is something that I've, I've made the leap and brought over into onboarding and sales training because so many sellers leave a wake of pissed off people behind them because they're not clearly understanding what happens when I hit enter. When does customer servicing get involved? When does services get involved? How much does it cost? And they leave a wake of very angry people behind them. However, if in the onboarding process, like I did on my ship, they had to go spend an hour with services. They had to go spend an hour with finances. Here are the questions that you need to talk to these people about. Here are the things that you need to know and clearly demonstrate to the subject matter expert and in a sales engineer, this is what you need for the first demo. And the sales manager has to engage and connect and say, okay, new salesperson, you went to the sales engineers, show me your demonstration. Cool, you learned that. Also, the sales manager needs to pick up the phone and go, hey, sales engineer, how'd you do? 
and have those informal conversations as well. The big thing is connecting the specific skills and knowledge that a salesperson needs to not only do the job, but also the support system that helps them do the job that they need to do and being able to clearly demonstrate it to the sales manager or the subject matter expert. So you mentioned the stakes that are really high for the Coast Guard. You know, you're basically talking about life or death situations if somebody doesn't know how to navigate the ship. Sure. Do you think there's other reasons why there's more rigor in the process in the Coast Guard compared to sales? I mean, obviously, nobody gets injured if somebody doesn't follow the sales methodology. But do you see any other differences that you can pinpoint that made for that higher quality initially at the Coast Guard? Yeah, it's interesting because... You probably saw the, um, the firefighting skill I posted on LinkedIn the other day. And there's also other ones with a firefighting school. For example, I had to go through a what's called damage control school where they put us into a real life simulation of a ship that's sinking. It's taking on water. But prior to that, they teach us how to patch a pipe. They teach us how to patch a wall. They teach us how to shore up a crack. And we had to clearly demonstrate it outside of the actual simulation room. We did it in the classroom. We showed them here, this is how I put on the pipe. This is how I put up on the shoring wall. Great. Now we're going to put you into a real world scenario where water's going to be coming in. You've got to experience it. This pipe is, it's going to be cold and it's going to be distracting and it's going to be crazy. But this skill will help you if in the real world, you're out at sea 500 miles out there and you do start to take on water. You won't have to think about it. You'll just go do it because you've been through that experience. Now, when you translate that to sales, of course, people aren't going to die, but we want to create situations where the seller has to experience, and we do this with role play, we do this with exercises and all that stuff. The seller needs to be able to clearly execute their ability to start a conversation, do a correct elevator pitch, overcome the correct objections. And I think we do ourselves and our sellers a disservice when we don't force them to do it in front of us on a regular basis. I like to compare sales, that skill set, to it could be professional sports, it could be Broadway. Let's take sports. Dirk just doesn't show up on game day without knowing how to shoot free throws. He practices free throws until he has to hit them. There's a fun story. I don't know if you know this. A long time ago, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. I don't know if you remember that rivalry. Big rivalry. The LA Lakers and the Boston Celtics. And one holiday season, they were filming a McDonald's commercial. And they were betting each other. And of course, there was a West Coast version and an East Coast version. And the West Coast version had Larry Bird missing a free throw. Because if he misses, then he has to go buy a McDonald's breakfast or whatever for Magic. It took 30 tries for Larry Bird to miss That's how good he was at his free throw line. And that's the way the salespeople should be when they engage with a customer. A sales manager should help a seller be able to say and articulate things, roll, let it roll off their tongue so they don't even have to think about it. And it can't be something they practice in their head. They have to practice it out loud. I was reading something the other day about role plays and role plays can be frustrating and tedious and everybody hates role everybody hates role because they're not done right. They turn into this long, drawn out, annoying process where one person wants to make the other person feel more stupid than the other person. And he wants to throw all these things in there. Stop. No, 
let's just break it down into, give me your opening line. Okay, say it again, say it again. The customer says this, say it again, say it again. So that when they are in a real conversation and the customer is formulating the objection, it's starting to roll off the customer's tongue. Yeah, well, we're starting to use this product, your competitor, because it does X, what? The salesperson should be going, oh yeah, here it comes. Oh, I let it go. I know exactly what I'm going to say and I know exactly how I'm going to respond and then they can move on. But we don't do that exercise and we don't force them to do that. Just like when I was in the damage control school in that water with all the stuff spraying on me, I had to go through it over and over again. We went through that thing like 10, 15 times. They would drain the system. Okay, guys, we're going to go back in there, do it again, drain the system. You're there for half a day doing pipes and walls and doing all that stuff. You're freezing, you're cold, your underwear's chafing. It's not, it's not fun, but we did it because it was a matter of life and death. With sellers, we got to do the same thing. Now, I can't put all the onus on sales enablement. It can't be on the sales manager. It's not on the sales leadership. It is a joint effort, but at the end of the day, the salesperson has to be the adult. The salesperson has to be the mature person that says, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for getting this right. And I'm going to take in all the knowledge that I can, and I'm going to do the work. While you were at the Coast Guard, did you actually realize that it was a good way of learning and training? Or did that revelation only come after you transitioned into sales? I'd love to tell you that I knew right away when I was in the Coast Guard. But a lot of times you're frustrated, you're angry, it's annoying, I'm cold, I'm irritating. Why the hell am I doing this again? Oh my God, here we go. But now I know later. I mean, the simplest things in my life Everything needs to be in its place so that we can find it when we need it. What I did learn is later when I got into the sales world, helping sellers understand that critical element, the critical learning, if you will, you've got to go slow now so that you can go faster later. Take the time to go through the vendor training for outreach or high spot or Salesforce or whatever it is. Become so good at it that you don't have to think when you're engaging with the customers. So many sellers stumble bumble because they don't know how to put a certain code into Salesforce or they don't know how to use outreach to prospect or high spot to transcend tag documents and it causes more problems. I don't know how many, let's call them mature senior sellers. People have been selling for a while helping them understand that outreach is a really good thing. Sales loft is a really good thing. Salesforce is a good thing. You got to do that verbal arm wrestling with them. But once they understand, they're like, oh, I get it. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So in terms of the best practices that you just mentioned, so you're, we're talking about hands-on practice. You're talking about face-to-face -face interaction with the stakeholders to really truly understand their needs and how you need to work with them together. And you were talking about slowing down to really make sure that you master the skill so it then becomes natural once you actually have to apply it in the real world. Are there any other best practices from your Coast Guard experience that you have been able to transition or have been able to translate into sales? That's a great question. Those are the primary ones. In the military, I can't say do it because it's your job or else I'm going to put you in the brig. You know, I could say that in the Coast Guard. I can't really say that in the military. I think the big element is helping managers really understand the power of that simple confirmation of learning. And we did 
and you've probably heard about it, the audible ready, that thing, you know, catching your sellers off guard or catching them by surprise. So I was like, hey, you just call the customer and the customer says X, what do you say? Ah, and walk through the cubicles or pick up the phone and, and just put them in that real catch them off guard scenario situation where the seller has to be ready for it. And we did this when I was at Aspen Tech and it was a really great exercise. And eventually, because the sellers knew that the manager was going to ask them, they would start coaching themselves amongst the cubicles. And that's a really great feeling when you walk through you know, the sales floor and you hear the sellers actually coaching themselves and asking, hey, run this by me, run this by me. Hey, I just did this. What do you think? What do you think? Let's do this. Let's role play this real quick. Now you know that they really want to get amazingly good and you're helping them and you're showing them the right way. That's a good feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. I've encountered that before too. And in an organization where it actually became so common practice and so part of the day-to-day -day of the sales reps that they actually would throw objections at each other while they were walking past in the hallway, right? So yeah. I think once you have achieved that, then learning really is no longer just an event, but it just becomes part of the day-to-day, -day, right? And how good is that if you can really have other people in your team invested into you becoming better all the time? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's translated to any professional world. We use sports analogies all the time. But at the same time, you know, the doctor that you're going to get elective surgery, you don't want him to go, yeah, I, did. I took that course a couple of years ago. I think I remember how to do it. No, you want your doctors that are always practicing their skills and getting better. Same with bus drivers, ferry drivers, et cetera. We all got to get better. We all have to stay on top of our skill set. I guess the other angle to consider is if you consider the whole go-to-market notion of complex B2B sales and the resources involved in planning and executing, the last thing you want is when it comes to uh, the seller actually being in front of the decision makers and finally having that meeting, which was such a massive investment for the company to make that happen, right? It's such a long process. Right. And you don't want them to practice then or just wing it, right? I strongly believe that having your sellers do a lot of practice, which also, as you said, includes a lot of role-playing, is a way to protect your investment into your go-to-market strategy and execution. Yeah. And I also encourage senior sales leaders, VP of sales, CMO, CFO, CI, anybody in the C-suite, sales managers, bring them into your role-play scenarios. Let them engage with you. Because we all know the young sellers are like, oh my God, that's, that's the CMO, oh, that's the CRO, oh my God. It's Bob, it's John, he's a normal human being. And you know what? His paycheck is reliant on your ability to do your job. Let's all work together. And just that simple exercise, you know, a CRO walks the sales floor. First of all, hopefully he tells the sales manager, hey, sales manager, I'm going to go walk the sales floor because that'd be the right thing to do. But let's do a quick audible ready. Let's do it together. Let's try it out. And Get the team involved. Are you able to share any results from the past where you really came into an organization where those sort of best practices that you just shared were not part of the day-to-day -day and what that benchmark looked like and then how it really has transformed the approach and the results that have been able to achieve after you've been able to implement those best practices? Sure. I first started doing this years ago when I was working with a startup in a retail scenario we had just launched a product into Circuit City and 
I created a simple, it's kind of like just a quick check for the field is all it really was. Gave them a job aid. First of all, I'd go to the location. I'd run through the product. Really simple. Here are the five key elements that you need to know. Fantastic. Here's a quiz for you. Fantastic. Now, repeat it back to me. Demonstrate it to me. Sales managers, I just left this with them. Now, I want you to do this as well. Ask them these questions. They need to say X, Y, and Z to you. Now, I also did bribe them with every time you completed it, you get an entry into winning an Xbox or something. But that simple process helped them sell 40% of increase in sales on that specific product in those districts. And that was huge, especially when you're in the retail world. Another opportunity I did was with Guitar Center. And I was working with the sales leader that was selling at a Guitar Center at the time. And we launched a, a brand new cable line for guitars. And we created a job aid. We created a follow-up knowledge. And it was incredibly simple. But we put it in their workflow. So they had to look at it almost daily. They were reminded by it daily. And they were checked on it daily by the managers. And together, they understood it. They also understood how it was connected to their paycheck. And because of that, they nearly doubled sales within about 13 months, I think, on that specific product. Wow. These guys made a lot of money. So that just that simple element of this is what I need you to do. I teach it to you. You teach it back to me. Show, tell, do, right? Show, tell, do. It's just a rinse and repeat. Show, tell, do. And the managers, it's the hardest thing for a manager to wait that extra five minutes, show it to me, John, show it to me, Jill, Sue, show it to me, show it to me, show it to me. I know this is tedious and boring. I need you to demonstrate it to me so that when they are engaging with the customer or the prospect, it can roll off their tongue. Another thought that is also important is what a manager hears the seller doing it correctly or hears the sellers coaching themselves You've got to have that public celebration. Yes, good job, guys. Way to go. Help them embrace that positive moment. Give them that high five. Let them know they're doing it right and let them know that they're awesome. That really also helps cement the learning. So based on what you just told me from your experience with the Coast Guard in particular, and also from my previous experience, you know, I've worked in the real estate industry. I've worked in media before I really heavily got involved with the tech space. There are a lot of learnings that I've also been able to transfer just like you have from the Coast Guard that have been beneficial for me in my work. Mm. So considering that there's so many gold nuggets lurking everywhere in other industries and there's other industries that already have figured certain things out that people that are only operating in the tech bubble might not necessarily be aware of, what is your recommendation for enablers who want to learn from existing best practices from other industries? How can they be intentional about uncovering these gold nuggets? I'm a huge proponent that you have to be a student of your craft. You should always be reading and studying and learning as much as you can. Sometimes we don't know what to learn. So you want to get involved with organizations like Association for Training Development, Sales Enablement Society, all of those organizations that are out there coaching and teaching. Don't hesitate to reach out and ask, get involved. I like to say that that we should have a professional, childlike curiosity about our craft. We should be excited about learning as much as we can. 
like for us, you know, our vertical sales enablement, every sales enablement world, there's so many niches that go on where you can learn stuff. But it also translates to the sales world because my customer who I'm prospecting, they also have that same learning channel, that same user group, that same thing. So you want to be cognizant of that and say, hey, I need to know where they're learning about their craft and their world. Books, pick up as many books as you can, as many YouTube videos as you can. Just have a voracious appetite for learning. Ask questions and be professionally curious because at the end of the day, I don't think there's too many sales enablement degrees out there in colleges. And, and we all know colleges aren't really teaching you what you need in the professional world. So you have to have that professional curiosity. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. Uh, I've learned a lot. So like uh, always talking to you. If people want to learn more about your experience in the Coast Guard and some of those best practices that you've been able to apply in your previous roles and in the current role, where can people find you online and continue the conversation? Best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Just Bill Perry. Perry with an A. P-A-R-R-Y. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. Absolutely, Felix. Thanks so much. Next time on The State of Sales Enablement. One of the ways that enablement can have and should have and very early impact is in the feeling of safety for those acquired sales teams. It is potentially the biggest loss of productivity that I've seen. 